made known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon. This is the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. 12 noon it is on Monday, August 24th. We're in the 21st week of Ordinary Time. And my name is Dave Palmer. Cecil Anderson is on the other side of the glass, socially distancing from me. And <laughs> as, as she is, how you doing, Cecil? Good to see you. I'm doing pretty well. Good, Good weekend? Yeah, yeah. It was a bit, I want to say it was a pretty relaxing weekend. Every time you ask me that, I never remember what I've done over the weekend. <laughs> I, I know. It's, 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 it's hard. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I so was relaxed. You're relaxed. I didn't get everything done I needed to get done. Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah. Well, if you got everything done you want to need to get done, then, you know, you wouldn't need another day to exactly. do, do the additional things, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had a good weekend as well. And glad everybody's joining us. I uh, got a few things. I got a very busy packed show. I do want to mention, as I always do, I'm Captain <laughs> Liturgical Calendar, okay? And I've learned not to, not to put Cecil on the spot and ask her whose feast day today is. But it is St. Bartholomew, Ooh. Apostle, uh, his feast day today today and this week did you know on thursday we're going to celebrate the feast day of saint monica and oh, then wow. as is always the case the very next day on friday her her son saint augustine or saint augustine however you want to pronounce it and then saturday the passion of saint john the baptist and so some some power packed saints that we're going to be able to ask for the intercession for this week and uh second half of the program today is going to be our uh university of dallas segment of the good news shows we always do on the fourth uh, Monday of the month, and Dr. Jonathan Sanford is going to be here. He's the provost and also a professor of philosophy, and he is going to have with him what a timely conversation. As last week we had the Democratic National Convention, mm-hmm. this week it's the Republicans. Dr. Daniel Burns, Associate Professor of Politics ah. and Interim Associate Dean of the Constantin College, will be his guest, and uh, he recently returned from UD for two years of work in Washington, D.C. He spent working in two offices helping craft policy. And so we're going to talk about politics, and what a great time, right in between the two conventions. Mm. Uh, The the Republicans start uh, this week. I'm excited. I I, I don't know. Do you watch the conventions a little bit? I honestly kind of forget by the time I come home in the evenings to watch them. I usually like see the highlights after the fact and i know that's <laughs> okay. really bad i just we don't usually watch tv yeah. in our house so i don't keep up with it yeah I, I i enjoy them i i i watched a lot of the democrats last week and i'll watch a lot of the republicans this week but anyway so dr sanford's going to be in and then also in just a few minutes we are going to tell you about the Experitus conference which is coming up in uh, right almost exactly a month it's september 26 on a saturday and there are some 
Some new developments with this event. This is the fourth time the Catholic Brothers for Christ have done their experience. I mean, the, the, the spring event was just hugely successful. Mm. And so they're like, well, let's do one in the fall. <laughs> Pretty soon there's going to be like sense. a winter event and a, uh, uh, and you know, I, I don't know. But anyways, it's going to be, um, I, I, we actually have the keynote speaker who's on the phone with us, one of our beloved local priests, uh, Bill Kula is in studio and also Rick Self is, is on the phone with us. And so we'll talk about that in just a second. Before that though, a couple of quick things to tell you about uh, on Saturday okay let me go back Friday I had on the phone with me Linda Wimmer mm-hmm. who is a parishioner she's kind of splits time between modern day in Dallas and St. Peter's in Lindsay and those are two very good parishes that's yeah, really cool also geographically it's very, very spread very far out apart. yeah very yeah. spread out but uh, she was uh, talking about a book that well she contacted me and said there's this book called The Grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel Okay, and it was written back in the the, the 19th century, 1869, by uh, a priest named uh, Don Ricola, Nicola Ricci in Procida, Italy, Father Don Ricci. Uh, but it, it was popularized in the 20th century because St. Padre Pio really took a liking to it, and it was one of his favorite books, mm-hmm. and he always advised people to have a devotion to St. Michael the Archangel. There's actually a novena attached to it, a 40-day period of prayer. And so Linda said, I want to give 50 of them away. And so we played this interview during the 3 o'clock hour on Saturday, which, you know, Saturdays are not as listened to as sure, weekdays. Yeah. And I thought, well, how many of these are we going to give away? Right. I had 25 people contact me. And so I told Linda, I said, I will give the rest of them away on Monday. And so this book is called The Grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel, first written in 1869, as I mentioned, rediscovered and revised and reprinted at the advice of St. Padre Pio to his spiritual daughter, Lina Florelani. All right. So if you want this, email me and just say, Hey, I want that St. Michael book. Uh, Linda Wimmer is going to mail them to you or you can pick them up here at our studio. Your choice. Uh, so email me right away if you want it. I've got 25, you know, no, no I, I'm sure if you email me, you'll, you'll get it. Okay. But just do it, uh, during the show today. Uh, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Again, it's the grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel because, boy, I tell you, you know, talk about spiritual warfare and all the things that are going on in our culture today. We need the assistance. It's like oh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth gave us the Saint Michael the Archangel prayer, mm-hmm. and he realized there was some crazy stuff going on <laughs> even back then in the late nineteenth uh, century when he was when he was alive. Definitely. All right, uh, Cecil. Events? Anything uh, <laughs> other than the things we'll be talking about today that you want to highlight? Well, I just wanted to highlight because normally, Dave, at this time of the year, what are we doing? We are planning to go do live remote broadcasts at so many different fall festivals at parishes. And yeah. that's a really exciting uh, time of the year for us. But of course, with COVID, we don't really know what's happening. Our festival is yeah. even going to happen. And this is a one of the big outreaches that parishes have. Well, I was really excited when I was scrolling through Facebook the other day to see that Mary Immaculate has announced that they are going to continue and do their fall festival. They are doing some things virtually, but on Saturday, October 3rd from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., they're going to have uh, a festival marketplace. There's going to be like, I think, food trucks and there's gonna, they're going to have a silent auction, which I think can be participated on online. We're going to have a blessing of the animals um, and just kind of like a shopping venue. So I thought it was kind of cool that they're mm-hmm. still going to be able to 
yeah, keep their yeah. traditions. Well, everything's hybrid these days. <laughs> and, you know, you're gonna... Everything is. But at least they're able to do something. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. So, so I was so excited. Mary Mackley. Maybe that's a sign that things are starting to come back a little mm-hmm. bit. And maybe we'll, other parishes will follow soon. So. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Uh, again, that's at Mary Immaculate. And uh, I am starting to get the emails coming in. If you want that book, uh, The Grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel. And I got a, a text from my my buddy Scott, and he said, did you have a good weekend? And I I, I know he's listening. <laughs> I went to dinner Saturday evening with oh, my, my dear friend, Scott Rogie and his wife, Michelle. He wants to make Michelle. sure that you know that. <laughs> little, uh, <laughs> little that. Mexican restaurant on the strip over in Grapevine. Oh, cool. Uh, and so, anyways, yes, I did have a wonderful time with Scott and Michelle and just amazing conversation. And so, you know, when the person's listening, you got to say stuff like that, Oh, right? of course, of course. Yeah, all right. Okay, <laughs> very good. Okay, well, thanks everybody for listening. And again, if you want to join us or talk about uh, either um, Dr. Sanford and his guest during the second half of the show or uh, the men's conference that's coming up, uh, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And let's get right on to our first topic uh, here on the Good News Show, and that is the Experitus Fall Conference that's going on. Um, well, I don't want to give anything away because, uh, you know, nowadays we're trying to figure out, can we do it in person? Do we have to do virtual or, or what's going on? But I do know that it's going to be 9 to 11 a.m. on Saturday, September 26. I have in studio with me our dear friend Bill Kula, who comes over here a lot because he's also the marketing director, director of communications for the Catholic Foundation. And uh, he also is a board member of the Catholic Brothers for Christ and their head of communications. And he's in studio with me. Joining us on the phone are Rick Self, who is president of Catholic Brothers for Christ and the keynote speaker for the September 26th event is none other than the pastor of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Keller, Father James Flynn, Gulf War veteran, and now, thanks be to God, a Catholic priest in the Fort Worth Diocese. And his keynote uh, on the 26th is going to be called Wearing the Armor of God during these challenging times. So, uh, good afternoon to, to each of you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. We, we got you. Thanks, uh, Dave. Okay, good. That's Father. And Rick, we still got you? Is Rick yes, st- sir. Oh, if I okay. go off mute, you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I didn't want to give too much away. And so let me start with Bill Kula here in studio. Bill, uh, for those listening live, what is going on? I know, like I say, we're rolling with the punches and trying to figure out, can we do this live or do it in stream? What, what's going to be going on 9 to 11 on, on Saturday, September 26th? Well, our ministry, the Catholic Brothers for Christ, like so many other ministries and companies and organizations, we're faced with the uh, global pandemic. And so while we had hoped to gather as many as 200 men in person in, in Keller at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, to hear Father Flynn, um, we've had to make a recent uh, transition to have this become a virtual event. So it will now be free. It will take place online from 9 to 11 a.m., and you can tune in, whether you're a man. You might want to have individuals in your family and significant others join you as well, and that's fine. Um, So from 9 to 11 a.m., you can participate in our mini-fall conference Uh, either through our Facebook page or through our YouTube page. And so we're taking a page from what we did a few months ago to go from what was to have been a live in-person event to become a live 
hence live stream, a live event uh, that will be virtual. So this is an opportunity for us to uh, come together virtually as, uh, as a brotherhood, uh, to grow and build up the body of Christ. Uh, and as part of that uh, opportunity, it's, it allows our men's movement to continue to move forward. So this is the fourth time that we've had a fall event, and we're looking forward already to um, – have our ninth spring event in early 2021. I'm glad it's live because I don't know. It, it to me it makes a difference. Sometimes these events, you know, they they're they're live in a sense, but then the, all the talks are like pre-recorded and all that. And I just love that the fact that it's going to be live. Hey, Rick Self, uh, as I mentioned, is president Catholic Brothers for Christ, and may Rick, maybe you can talk about the overarching mission of the Catholic Brothers for Christ. I know we've been, you've been doing the the spring conferences for nearly 10 years now. And many, many, I mean, literally thousands of men have been blessed by the work that you and all the other men do with this. But uh, how, how does this kind of fit into the overall mission? Yeah, so our overall mission is to obviously bring men to Christ and get them engaged in their faith, building the body of Christ, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, that's what we do. This is a movement. This is more than just us putting on conferences. This is getting, you know, this is... Um, uh, a 365 day a year type thing to be a disciple, to, right? To be a disciple for Christ, and that's what our organization started out to be. I mean, we started out about about 10 years ago. Actually, 2011 is when we began. We uh, there wasn't anything like that in the North Texas area, and we heard, you know, people that started this, like Joey Assam, you know, he heard that these things were going on around the country, these men's conferences. So. He and some guys from Prince of Peace and Bill was involved, all got together and created this organization. And and what a great thing it's done for the last, you know, nine, ten years. We have, uh, you know, hundreds of men have have joined us at these conferences. We've we've helped start, you know, weekly sessions with men where they can get together and pray the rosary or read the Bible or, or do whatever, you know, to keep men engaged. So, it's a movement. It's it's ongoing. Uh, these the fall conference we we did we started about four years ago and that was a big success. Um, and this year, it's unfortunately it's only virtual. But I say only. I think we'll probably reach more people with with this virtual conference. And it, like you said, Dave, it it is live. We're not going to record a bunch of things and and throw it out there because people myself included, uh, don't get as excited about, you know, watching a recorded video as we do something live. So that also gives an opportunity to mess up a little bit as we go, but we will, (laughs) we will try to do as good as, you know, the best job we can. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, if, 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 if somebody does not, is not aware that there's spiritual battles going on in the culture and the world right now. You just, you're just not, your eyes are not open. And when I'm thinking about, okay, as you put this event together in 2020, which has just been a, a, an absolutely, a zany year, and men need to be spiritually fit to, to, to meet the challenges, and you're thinking, well, who can we get as a speaker? I mean, I can't think of a better speaker than somebody who has literally been in battle, a Gulf War veteran, who, through the grace of God, now a Catholic priest, and has this background, Father James Flynn. Um, Father, thanks for taking some time with us. Um, can you? I think most people listening probably are familiar with you. Can you tell us, our listeners a little bit about your story? And also maybe give a preview of your talk on the 26th. Sure. Uh, thanks, Dave. It's a, 
it's an honor and privilege to be the keynote speaker at this great event. You know, it's putting on the armor of Christ. And for me, as a as a former soldier, that has very specific meaning. You know, I graduated from high school in Granbury High School, just uh, outside of Fort Worth, um, and I joined the military right away. I graduated in in June and was off in the Army in October. And uh, when I originally joined the Army, uh, I joined to be on the M1 tank, and I because I don't like walking, and, and I thought this will be a great way to have a 65-ton tank dri- drive me around. <laughs> but uh, as it turned out, right, that was not uh, the Army's plan for me. I eventually went to uh, German Ranger School, and then I went to Sniper School. And um, although I officially stayed a tanker the whole time, uh, I was assigned in the 18th Airborne Corps during the first Gulf War. And so we were on the left flank uh, of the attack. We went up through Iraq and then over into Kuwait uh, and had, you know, a great victory for our nation and, of course, for Kuwait. So uh, then I graduated or excuse me, I left the Army uh, after my four-year stint uh, and went to Texas A&M University, so uh, where I really re-engaged my faith in Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, it's been a long and discombobulated journey. Uh, and then when I graduated from A&M, I actually did not go right into the seminary. I worked for a commodities company called Cargill, uh, in the steel business for them. So I spent uh, three years working, and then I joined the seminary. So it has been a circuitous route, no no doubt, uh, but also a wonderful route um, in being able to serve Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the t- so as far as the con. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, I just, yeah. I was just going to um, say, I'm sorry, but yeah, wearing the armor of God during these challenging times—that uh, that's the talk. I'm, I'm, I guess that's the talk. That the title that you you chose. Tell, tell us about that, if you could give us a little preview. Well, I mean, one of the things I think we have to get accustomed to is the fact that you know everybody. We Satan wants to focus us in on the material part of our fight. And there is a material part of the fight, there's no doubt. I mean, we are we are fighting atheism, uh, we are fighting indifference, we are fighting for pro-life culture, uh, and that is a good and just fight. But what we always have to remember is our greatest, our greatest victory is not going to come from us focusing on the material. It's going to be inviting Jesus Christ, inviting the Holy Spirit to be our armor and if you think about the nature of armor, it protects, right? So yes. if you have enough armor, nothing can penetrate. In fact, if you're in an M1 tank or now the M1A2, I think it is, um, that can take a whole lot of abuse. And the guys inside may not even know you're shooting at them, depending on mm. what you're shooting at them with, right? So if we can build up enough armor, we don't get so distracted by the small arms fire that comes our way. What we can do is now uh, have the fortitude to make it through, right, to win the victory. But that really only comes through docility to Jesus Christ, right, handing ourselves over to him and allowing him to be our armor, not thinking we have to do it all ourselves, fight it ourselves, right, uh, procure it ourselves, do it uh, all with our own strength. If, If it was our own strength, 
we, we would all be dead. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Uh, Father James Flynn joining us uh, again, keynote speaker for the uh, the virtual uh, Experitus event, which is going to be Saturday, September 26th from 9 to 11 a.m. If you go to CatholicBrothersForChrist.com, you can register CatholicBrothersForChrist.com, and it's free of charge. And uh, and hope, hopefully thousands of people will tune in. In fact, you don't even have to be here in North Texas. You can tell your you know, your dad or your brother out in, out west or in, in other parts of the world, for that matter, uh, that they can participate. Um, um, Bill Kula is head of communications for the Catholic Brothers for Christ. And Bill, uh, what's um, the two hours? What's it going to comprise? Of course, we're going to have the talk. Uh, I, I mentioned before that we, uh, you know, the, 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 the typical event is much longer when it's in person, especially the the spring event, I guess. Um, what else will people be treated to on the 26th? Well, because we won't be in person, we won't have the opportunity to break bread. We won't be have the opportunity to uh, sing with one another, to pray necessarily face-to-face with one another. But we can do all these things uh, virtually, and that's the beauty of this uh, event, is that we'll have the chance to share with men some examples of how men's parish-based ministries have grown over the years, uh, some of it uh, being uh, encouraged from the Catholic Brothers for Christ. We'll have the opportunity, of course, to be able to uh, hear the great words of wisdom from Father, and then we'll also have the opportunity for Eucharistic adoration, because what we really want is for men to keep their gaze upon Christ. Um, when this ministry began, our very first conference had just 550 attendees from 36 parishes, and it's grown over the years to over 900 men coming face-to-face from over 110 parishes. So the ministry uh, continues to grow. As Rick uh, talked about, it is a men's movement. And what's so exciting about the opportunity for this virtual event is that even though we will be uh, distanced by the miles, we know by faith that Christ will be present with us. And so I think the opportunity will be for men to learn a little bit more about how to um, keep their gaze upon the Lord, how to uh, coordinate with other brothers in their parish or other men throughout, whether it's the Fort Worth or the Dallas Diocese, to grow different ministries. Um, and we've had some beautiful examples where churches have been represented and have come to our spring or our fall conferences over the years. And so they didn't have a whole lot of things going on necessarily on the weekends or during the week. But now we have cases where men's groups of over 50, sometimes over 100 men are gathering at particular parishes to pray the rosary together or to have different types of uh, discussions on on virtues. And, and that is a fruit of the Spirit that has emerged as one of the beautiful blessings from this ministry. And, you know, I just think it's um, it's it's amazing when you think of all the named speakers who we've been able to have in our presence over the years and and to have the generosity of our local priests invite us into their uh, churches to gather and so we're so grateful uh for for Father Flynn to allow us to come in and I was just going to say that you know growing uh, growing up as a kid I played just about 
every sport imaginable. And so when I was first exposed to Ephesians 6, I glummed onto that. It was my very favorite passage of the Bible to read about because I was thinking, okay, so in effect, what I'm hearing is you put on this uniform for Christ. Well, in a lot of ways, I was thinking, you know, what do we have to do to get ready to go out onto the field, a battle to play football? And you have a helmet and, and you have shoes and you have loins girded in truth. And I'm thinking, well, you know, how does that apply to me? So what I think, you know, a big takeaway is going to be is that we're going to help a lot of guys be able to figure out how to deflect demonic darts. And you, you deflect those demonic darts by putting on the armor of God. And that's one of the things that, you know, even though you can't be together, you can still have a lot of takeaways. And so that's going to be the beauty of uh, hearing the words of wisdom from Father Flynn, in addition to Eucharistic adoration and in addition to uh, hearing some case studies about how you can locally uh, enhance and increase uh, and nurture local Paris-based ministries. Yeah, and the fact that the last uh, spring conference was also virtual, you guys are well-practiced, and I know we did it right here in the studio. That's where it came from. Of course, Deacon Hero gave a great talk. All right, it's the Expertus Fall Conference with the Catholic Brothers for Christ, Saturday, September 26, 9 to 11 a.m., and it is no charge. All you guys do is register, go to catholicbrothersforchrist.com, and, uh, you know, since it's online, uh, you know, the, the women can register. I mean, it's geared for men, but, uh, you know, they're not going to, you know, kick anybody off. Anybody can watch this, and so hopefully thousands of people participate. All right, just uh, about five or six minutes left. Let me go back to Rick Self, uh, President Catholic Brothers for Christ. To Rick, um, what else would you like to say, plans for 2021, or anything else that, what would you like to say to encourage men? Uh, to be involved, you know, in this event, of course, but also engaged in their their homes as as fathers and husbands. Uh, what well, what would your advice be? Well, I did want to say this though. So it is April, it is September twenty sixth, and we don't know if football is coming back. So that's there's no excuse not to come to this yeah. conference from nine to eleven. It'll be before all the football games anyway. So uh, uh, try to you know join us for that morning. It'd be great. Uh, as far as our, um, our spring conference, it is uh, April the 10th, and it's going to be at uh, St. Francis of Assisi Parish in uh, Frisco. So our same lineup of speakers, Father Larry Rich will be our headline speaker for that event. And so we're, you can register for that now. Hopefully that's <clears throat> going to be a live event. Um, but uh, But you never know with what's going on these days. But um, so, but I do really encourage you to join us for this live event here uh, in the fall. Father Flynn's going to be excellent. Thank you, Father, for taking the time to do this for our organization. I think, you know, men, I, I say this every week when I go to my rosary and discipleship, I need this to keep me focused on the Lord. Like, not, Mass does that every Sunday. There's no question about that. You know, reconciliation, all the sacraments. But also, when you have engagement with other men who hold you accountable for things, I mean, that's what we need as men. So that's another reason to come to this conference. That's another reason to do, you know, your weekly men's uh, group activity. So I highly encourage that. And again, thank you, Father, for letting, you know, for, for having this conference here on the, tw- on the 26th. 
Yeah. And I'll close out with Father Flynn again. Again, yeah, like, like Rick said, thanks for, for joining us and also be participating in the, this event. And Father, you and I were, we were speaking before we came live on the radio and you kind of related this whole spiritual warfare also to parish life these days because nothing's normal. Uh, you know, everything's, everybody's sacrificing a bit. They're being asked to make sacrifices. And maybe you can just talk uh, to our listeners about the adjustment that everybody's making and how it, uh, it may, may tie into this whole theme of wearing the armor of God. Well, yeah, Dave, I mean, I think one of the things that we can learn from this is, you know, one of the things that soldiers get very accustomed to is being uncomfortable, right? And being in situations that, uh, you know, you're hungry, you're tired, you're cold, you're hot, you're um, deprived of many of the creature comforts that we become used to in life. And I think that's exactly what the coronavirus has done for us as well. It's taken the kind of the creature comforts that we have and they have been pared down. Uh, going out to dinner is more difficult. Going to a movie is more difficult all of our daily life. And most especially, of course, having like religious ed in person, at least in the Diocese of Fort Worth, is restricted right now. And uh, we're restricted with numbers at mass and all of these things. Well, we can either we can either view these things as an opportunity for greatness and for holiness, or we can view it and just complain and gossip and be frustrated. And, and then we're playing right into Satan's goal, right? Which is to make us disunified, to make us uh, angry, to make us upset. Or we can take this and really shine as Christian people. You know, it's easy to be a Christian when everything is going our way. It's important to be a Christian when nothing is. And so uh, I think as we come into the conference, it's really for all of us to take a look at ourselves and say, right, am I shining as a Christian, as a light of Christ shining within me so that I may lead people to Christ even in this difficult time? Or do I spend more time complaining and pushing back and trying to um, circumvent what God is asking me to do? Right, which is to be a joyful Christian, whether it's in season or out of season. And that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, that's what we'll be focusing on. And uh, I think it's going to be a very timely topic for the world we live in today. Yeah, certainly. Uh, thank you again, Father Flynn, for, for joining us on the program. Also, Rick Self uh, on the phone as well. CatholicBrothersForChrist.com. I would just go back to Bill one more time. And Bill, if you could spend about a minute, that's all the time we have, just giving the nuts and bolts of what people need to do if they want to register for this event. We've made registration very, very easy. Just go to CatholicBrothersForChrist.com. And at CatholicBrothersForChrist.com, you'll see registration for the 2020 Expertus Conference. Uh, there is no fee for that. But what we do want is to collect uh, basic information, your name, information, email, phone number, etc., and church you go to so that we can stay in touch with you and continue to grow and keep you aware of other programs that we put together. So um, you can just go out to our website and then come the day of the conference, uh, you can just go to our Facebook page or our YouTube page. We'll have links on our website. You'll just click on that and you'll be able to watch and participate in the 9 to 11 a.m. conference uh, on any Internet-connected device of your choice. So we look forward to uh, men signing up, registering, and um, having you participate on September 26th. All right. Great to see you, Bill, in studio. Thanks again, Rick Self, and also Father James Flynn uh, from St. Elizabeth Anseed and Parish in Keller, CatholicBrothersForChrist.com. The event is 9 to 11, Saturday morning, September 26th, and the theme is Wearing the Armor of God. 
during these challenging times. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to register myself, hopefully today. Um, and and how, how appropriate that during this topic, we're giving away the grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel. So, so I've gotten about 15 emails uh, since I, I first put that out. I probably have about 10 of these left. Again, this is a book that was written in 1869, popularized and promoted by St. Padre Pio. Um, it's a novena, and it's also prayers, um, reflections, focusing on the protection of St. Michael the Archangel. And in 2020, we need St. <laughs> Michael the Archangel. So if you want one of these books sent to you, I, I, I literally probably have about 10 li- left, thanks to Linda Wimmer, uh, who came on my show Saturday and said, I want to give 50 of these away. 40 of them have been spoken for. So if you want one of these last 10, email me. Uh, with a quickness, uh, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Again, it's called The Grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel. Email me quickly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. We'll have the UD segment with Dr. Jonathan Sanford and his guests talking about politics right after this. Are you connected? Hi, Joe McLean here, the Director of Mission Development for the GRN, and I am super excited about 2020. It's our 20-year 20 20-year anniversary, and we are rolling out new digital tools to include a new website, a podcast catalog, upgrades to our mobile app, and more. A great way for you to stay up-to-date and connected is by joining the GRN Text list. You can do that today for free at grnonline.com forward slash text. This is Lisa Maladnik from homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider and a sponsor of this station. Your student can meet with me and fellow students online for a live interactive class. Whether they take my authentic beauty class based on my award-winning book, True Radiance, or apologetics with John Martignoni, Literature with Kevin O'Brien, or any of our other 400-plus courses. Catholic online learning is available now for your family at homeschoolconnections.com. Hi, this is Dave Palmer here at the station. I am so thankful for the many ways that you, our listeners, have blessed this station over the years, such as praying, making pledges, or donating meals, or volunteering during our charathons, or being a parish speaker. I'd like to suggest also two other important ways that you can help us. One is to support the sponsors you hear on this station, especially during our current crisis. And another way you can support the station is to become a sponsor. If you're interested, just email me, davepalmer at grnonline.com. Are you looking for a place to donate your gently used clothing to but are unable to drop them off at one of our locations? Worry not. The St. Vincent de Paul Thrift Store can help. We have over 40 donation bins available throughout the DFW Metroplex. Find one near you today by visiting our website and for a complete list of acceptable items at svdpdallas.org slash shop. That's svdpdallas.org slash shop. And remember, whether you are shopping or donating, you are giving at the St. Vincent de Paul Thrift Stores. Rachel Ministries is a compassionate, faith-based abortion recovery ministry and a safe place to find emotional and spiritual healing after an abortion experience. The Diocese of Fort Worth Rachel's Ministry invites all those affected by an abortion to a weekend retreat from Friday, September 11th through Sunday, September 13th. Let us help you experience the great gift of God's divine mercy. To register and for more information, contact Betsy at 817-923-4757 or email forgiven at racheltx.org. 
Did you know that the Knights of Columbus donated over $175 million to charity and volunteered over 75 million hours last year? They accomplished this with almost 2 million members. And with you joining the Knights of Columbus, we can give you an outlet to get involved. This is merely an opportunity, not an obligation, and your level of involvement will be completely up to you and your family. Join online today at www.knights.net. That's www.knights.net. All right, we're back. This is the Good News Program here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. And I was mentioning the the, the book uh, that we're giving away thanks to Linda Wimmer, uh, which is called The Grandeurs of St. Michael the Archangel. Really, really popular with St. Padre Pio. And um, I, I think I got about five of them left. The emails are coming in. So if you want one of those, Linda, I know, wants to, to mail out 50 of them. So just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. It's, uh, you know, St. Padre Peel likes it. Gosh, it's got to be good, huh? But uh, just basically asking for St. Michael's protection during these challenging times. All right. One of the things I love about the fourth Monday of every month is we get a, a visit from Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the provost of the University of Dallas. He's also a professor of philosophy, which even raises him even higher in my in my esteem level. And as, as well it should. You know, <laughs> better, better a faculty member than an administrator. <laughs> That's right. And he's uh, – what an appropriate topic. I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, I said, well, we're talking politics right smack dab in the middle of the two conventions. We, right. I, I, I love these conventions. I watched the Democrats last week, and we'll watch the Republicans this week, and uh, your guest, uh, Dr. Daniel Burns, Associate Professor of Politics, and we're going to bring him on in just a second. Any, you guys have off and running in the fall semester. How, how are things going so we're far? Off, we're off to a great start. We really are. So our, our classes began last Wednesday, and we have all of these safety protocols in place. It's not unlike going to Mass, where Mm-hmm. You've got greater distance. Everyone's wearing a mask when they're indoors and, and that sort of thing. And our, our students have really stepped up and are doing a very good job complying. So mm-hmm. what we want to avoid is anything like what's happened in the news. If you've read about University of North Carolina or the University of Notre Dame had some problems with with off-campus activities that led to some on-campus challenges. So yeah. we're really messaging our students well, and, and we, we're just blessed with, with top-notch um, uh, students of, of strong moral character. So we're we're trusting in that, but we also have a number of uh, measures in place for uh, when that trust is, is somehow wounded. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, prayers for all students uh, of all levels and uh, for University of Dallas. All right. What a great topic. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, our guest and the topic, and let, let's, let's get after it. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Daniel Burns, Associate Professor of Politics. He's also our Interim Associate Dean of the undergraduate college this year. And Dr. Burns has has spent the last two years in Washington, D.C., um, some of it engaged in work he was doing of a heavy research sort when he was on sabbatical, and then another year doing some policy work. And given the time, you know, we, we talked to David, uh, Dr. David Upham last month, um, so we're, we're giving some special focus to politics, and, and there's a kind of, of um, fittingness to that given where we are in the election cycle, but also given where we are with respect to questions of prudence and character and public policy that have been surrounding the COVID-19 situation as well as some of the social unrest in our country. And so I've been trying to highlight some features of our approach to politics at the University of Dallas, and I think Dr. Burns is a fantastic person to do that for us. So welcome to the show, Dr. Burns. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Sanford and David. It's really a pleasure to be here. 
So I, I, I like to spend a little bit of time uh, introducing our listeners to the the intellectual background of our faculty guests on this show, Dr. Burns. And, and would you mind telling us a little bit about how you found yourself a professor of political philosophy or politics or however you prefer to, to say that? Well, it starts with a bet that a freshman friend of mine made in college 18 years ago when he bet me a large amount of money or so it seemed at the time that I would end up as a professor of political science uh, <laughs> within the next 15 years. And I bet him that because I thought there was no way. My dad is a professor of political science, and I was 16 and thought, why would one want to do the same thing one dad's does, one dad, one's dad does for a living? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I wanted to be a theologian at one point and um, looked into theology grad schools. I, I ended up discovering, well, a number of things about theology grad schools, which would be a whole other topic. But I, I mainly just learned that um, the interest that I had had in politics as a college student, had there was more reason for it than I had realized. It was because... If you study politics well, all the things that I was interested in about theology, about philosophy, about economics, about sociology, you can't be an expert in all those things at the same time. And I'm certainly not an expert in any of those things. But I would say you have to end up talking about the most interesting aspects of every other most other studies, especially of human beings and of, even of their relationship to the divine, mm-hmm. you've got to have some thoughts about that in order to have good thoughts about politics. There are theological claims in our Declaration of Independence, religion and politics, which is the area that I most study, the relationship between the two of those, you know, that you, you have to have some very interesting and deep conversations about God and man just in order to think through questions like, you know, was the most recent Supreme Court ruling on X or Y correct, or who should you vote for in the next election? So I, I really do think that, you know, I, I love every other discipline, and I think they're all fascinating too, but I, for me, I think the most interesting aspects of, of most other fields of study in one way or another come into play when you're studying politics well. Yeah, Aristotle says something to that effect, I think, in The Politics, where he argues that that politics is the architectonic science. That is to say, it's the science that orders all the others. Therefore, the the student of politics needs to have achieved a certain degree of mastery in every science so that he can orchestrate their order well. I would say that. And I would say, you know, everyone feels it to some extent because we all realize that whether we like it or not, and, and often we don't, but whether we like it or not, the people in charge of politics end up setting limits to our ability to to practice all the other things that we want to do. You know, if, if it's it's very hard to run a church if your government is hostile to that church. It's mm-hmm. very hard to do science well if your government is, you know, is promoting bad science. I mean, there's all sorts of things we see, especially in, you know, various bad regimes around the, around the country. And occasionally we might say similar things about our own various governments from time to time. We could get into that if we need to. But, you know, we all know that Ultimately, the, the limits on human life are to a large extent set by politics, and therefore it really matters that we understand um, who's in charge, who should be in charge of setting those limits, uh, mm-hmm. and, how, and how to do it well. So let me, let me ask you to, to expand a little bit on one of your primary areas of, of research, the, the intersection of religion and politics. And um, I know that, that you have a, a deep familiarity with the works of Pope Benedict XVI, um, Cardinal Ratzinger. And it, it may surprise some of our, our listeners to think of somebody who's in the field of politics doing deep work in um, Pope Benedict XVI's thought, most of which is, one would say, broadly speaking, theological. But you also work in, in, uh, in Augustine and, and some other figures who, who are – one might say primarily theological. So 
for the sake of our, our listeners who who think of politics as as um, more naturally divorced from such questions, could you could you expound upon that a little bit? Sure. Well, I would say, and this applies both to my own research and to the way we teach our students here at UD in the politics department. I mean, there there are two basic areas that you need to study in order to know a lot about politics. You need to study, on the one hand, the philosophical principles that all politics is based on, and it's it, you know it ends up being based on that whether you realize it or not. If you don't know that you have philosophical principles, you'll just take certain probably poorly thought through ones for granted. And if you have time to think through them, hopefully you come to better ones. So on the one hand, you, you got to study those those basic principles and, and books like you just referred to, Aristotle's Politics, or you know, or the Federalist Papers, or all sorts of other great texts in the history of Western thought, definitely help you do that. I study those books and I study them in, in company with my students. And then on the other hand, you just need to know an awful lot about how empirically politics actually works. And that's going to be primarily your own country, so the field of American politics for, for Americans, and, you know, the field of British politics for Brits, and so on. But then there's also, there's also just empirical research on other countries, you know, comparative politics, looking at the difference between democracies and dictatorships throughout the world, international politics, looking at how different countries interact with each other or tend to interact with each other. All of this, there's just a, a massive amount of of empirical information that if you don't have that and all you've done is read Aristotle's politics, you're going to be completely ineffective in, in, in real politics. And, and not just ineffective, but you won't even know what the right answers are. I mean, you don't know what the right marginal tax rates are for this country unless you know an awful lot about our country and its economic system and, and all sorts of things like that. So both are very important. Uh, I'm, my, in my own research, I focus on the first, the more of the principles, the political philosophy. But they're both parts of, of what I would call political science, the understanding of, of politics. People, people tend to think of the second, just because of that word science, they tend to think experiments. But you can't really do experiments on human beings when it comes to politics anyways. So it's, it's not that kind of a science. Or at least you should it's, not. Yeah. Well, there we go. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but it, it's, it's not, it's not a, a science in the way that biology is a science, but it is, it, it's a field of knowledge, which is why Aristotle called it a science. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, our students, we try to introduce them to both. Uh, certainly relative to other politics or political science departments in the country, we put a lot more emphasis on the first, mm -hmm. but that's not because we think, Either is more important than the other. Both are indispensable. Mm -hmm. We just think that most political science departments in the country don't put enough emphasis on the first. Right. So we try to even out that balance. And I've found, certainly from, you know, I, I talked to a lot of our alumni in Washington when I was there these past two years, and they tend to find, you know, they're, they're rubbing shoulders with interns from Harvard and other you know, Ivy Leagues and so on. They tend to find that they know more about the, the principles side of things than, than a lot of their counterparts do, and they know a little bit less about the other stuff. We, we just, you know, we, just because of that balance, we'd set that balance differently. And, and they've all said to me, but what I found was it took me very little time in Washington to catch up on, that other, on, on all the empirical stuff. You mm -hmm. just Experience fills that in, whereas the others who never got the philosophical and, and even theological background, you know, unless they spend a lot of time studying Augustine's City of God in their spare time in Washington, which is not a very common pastime in Washington, mm -hmm. they're always going to feel that gap. <laughs> so let me I, – I, I do want to talk a, um, a bit about the work you did in, in policy while you were in D.C. recently. But before we get there, I, I'm – I'm wondering if you might have um, any reading recommendations. I mean, City of God um, might might not be <laughs> the, big one, the, yeah. uh, the one for right now. But you know, a, a lot of our listeners who are who are uh, struggling to make sense of the contemporary political scene, who are um, well formed but but um, haven't had a chance to delve more deeply into. 
political theory. What, what, what's a good place for them to turn? What's a text that you would recommend as particularly helpful for, for the next couple of months? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, for the next couple of months, if, if you're talking about the election specifically, I would say, I mean, high-quality journalism is, is always worth reading, whether it's with people you agree with or disagree with. My, mm-hmm. my favorite opinion author, someone I've brought to UD campus once or twice, uh, is Ross Douthat, who writes for the New York Times, who mm-hmm. may be familiar to your listeners, has written some great stuff on all sorts of topics, from education to the Catholic Church and mm-hmm. all sorts of others. But, but, you know, everyone should read you know, good opinion writers, and they should read ones they both agree with and disagree with, who, who challenge them. But if you're talking about more on the, on the side of those principles, the political philosophy. I, to come back to a man you mentioned earlier, I mean, Joseph Ratzinger is, is my favorite 20th century author. I think he's, he's underrated in every single regard. I don't know anybody uh, who I think values that man as highly as they should, mm-hmm. um, except maybe his former students, some of whom I've met and all of whom just think the world of him deservedly. But I think, you know, he's written a few, there are a few collections of essays he wrote, usually talks he gave when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, you know, mm-hmm. on the occasion of the anniversary of D-Day. He gives a talk about D-Day, you know, the, 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 on political or social political topics. Um, the, my favorite of them is called A Turning Point for Europe. He wrote mm-hmm. it 30 years ago, right around the, the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall. And he just says an awful lot about what, you know, about the, what the end of communism means for Europe, what Europe is, what we should, what what the role of Christianity is in a in a fundamentally secular political system, but that doesn't have to be secularist mm-hmm. political system. Uh, another one, he didn't choose these titles. I don't love all the titles, but they're just names of collections of essays. Values in a time of upheaval. Mm-hmm. Those are some more recent ones that he was writing really right up until I think the week before he got elected pope, mm-hmm. uh, including his debate with Jürgen Habermas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I would say his. His speech to the German Parliament, which he gave in 2011 as Pope, is is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and is again an address to political leaders about our common responsibility for for the future of the world. Um, and anything, I mean, his Regensburg address touches mm-hmm. on political themes, but anything uh, anything you can find that that man wrote about anything, you should always read more of. I think there's, I just don't think there's any exception to that rule. But especially his sort of his public-facing speeches that he gave to a general audience, to a non, not even necessarily a Catholic audience, but talking sometimes about what, what role you should think the Catholic Church ought to play in society, even if you don't happen to belong to that church. It's, mm-hmm. These are important topics. Mm-hmm. Great. Excellent. Thank you for those recommendations. And uh, so uh, tell us a little bit. I know you, you, you can't tell us everything about what you were doing when you were in, in Washington, but, but what kind of work were you doing and, and what interested you in getting involved in that sort of work, the, the work of uh, nitty-gritty policymaking? The second question is easy. I've been, I've been ever since grad school, so for 13 years I have been studying a lot of the greatest authors on politics in the history of the Western, of a Western you know, intellectual tradition, every single one of whom I noticed a few years ago uh, had had some political experience, and I had none. Mm-hmm. So it just started to strike me that it's kind of weird to be saying, you know, Aristotle, learned, Cicero, Locke, Aquinas, every one of them either talked to kings or worked for lords, or most of them didn't spend their whole lives in it the way that Cicero did, though some did, but they all knew something about what it looked like on the ground. And I just thought, if I want to understand these thinkers, I really should have done that at least a little bit. And it was not, you know, I, I, I like my job here very much. Uh, so I, I was very fortunate that you uh, and your office granted me this leave from UD, temporary leave to go get this experience, but well, it was very we're, valuable. We're very glad you came back. <laughs> that, was, that was the intention, uh, and, and I did. Um, but, uh, 
but so you know, given that I wanted this experience, I, I was in D.C. anyways for a year on a sabbatical fellowship at, at Catholic University, and so I just spent the time getting to know people there and figuring out where I might be able to fit in for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent half a year as the deputy director of the Joint Economic Committee of the U.S. Congress. I, I call it the least important congressional committee. It is a very important committee, but it does not report legislation, unlike mm-hmm. other committees. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a sort of an in-house think tank for, for Congress, and, and because it doesn't have the responsibility of reporting legislation, it has a lot of freedom to study, you know, it has to study economic trends, but the, the chair gets to define those as he sees fit, and the current chair, Senator Mike Lee, who I, who I work for and who I have enormous admiration for, understands that the foundation of a sound economy is not just in, in the kinds of numbers that economists normally study in the narrow sense, but includes things like strong families and strong communities, mm-hmm. and has gotten together this team of really high-quality social science researchers uh, to study those trends and to figure out what, how, how public policy, and especially federal public policy, could be reacting better to things like neighborhood breakdown, to things like declining marriage rates, uh, the, the, the social trends that aren't exactly economic, but if they, if, if they continue in this way, are, are not going to be good for our economy either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was there for half a year, and that was absolutely fascinating. I was, I was helping supervise a team of people, all of whom know much more about you know, h- how to deal with large-end spreadsheets than I do, uh, and I learned an enormous amount from watching them work. Uh, I then spent this, the second half of the year working in the executive branch, working for the Office for Civil Rights at the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, I came there because of my background in some issues related to religious liberty, the, the office cares a lot about that, and I was supposed to be working mostly on issues that intersected with that. And then this, this little pandemic hit us, uh, and all of a sudden we found about two and a half months into my tenure there that we had a lot of other stuff we had to, to research, and, and, and not just research, but have have policy decisions made on. Mm-hmm. And one of those, what, the, the biggest that came across our desk was there were all these uh, life-saving care rationing plans sitting on the shelves of many U.S. states, mm-hmm. what to do in a pandemic if we run out of ventilators, which a lot of people had, frankly, had not thought much about. And our office had, had barely thought about before this. And all of a sudden, these things are getting taken off the shelf. People are, states are talking about activating these plans. And we're getting complaints from disability rights groups saying some of these plans discriminate on the basis of disability or, in some cases, age. And so mm-hmm. we had to figure out in a hurry, uh, what the legal limits actually were, what are the guardrails within which, you know, these extraordinarily difficult decisions can be made without, without violating federal law, and, and what is the role of legitimate medical judgment, what, is the, what, are, what are the boundaries for legitimate medical judgment, those were, those were extremely difficult questions and by far the most high-stakes discussions I've ever been involved in. Fortunately, None of those plans has, to this point, ended up being activated, to the best of my knowledge. But, but we did a lot of research to figure out what would be legitimate if they if they were, and that was very grueling and, in a way, in its own way, very rewarding. Because I've, yeah, obviously, I, I don't know that I'll ever be involved in decisions where um, where getting it right or wrong matters so much to so many people. Yeah. Wow. That's that's remarkable. So, what, what do you what, when when you think of of um, and you're already in the midst of this, right? You've you've been reinserted into the life of the University of Dallas. You've got this wealth of experience and um, knowledge that that you've taken from this. What what do you hope to do with this with respect to our our students and the formation that you and and our colleagues are providing them? What what are you hoping to outfit them to do? Well, two things. First of all, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and I, I, I should have kept a better journal, but I don't. I, I've got enough written down. I'll, I'll have these these in my memory. I can't tell you how many times in the past year I thought this is going to be a great example for my students. So I, I have 
I have 40 years worth of examples now uh, to illustrate points that come up in these books that I teach. Uh, just here's how it happened. I watched this happen. I saw the per- this person make this type of decision. It's exactly the way. It's exactly the way that Aquinas said it would be. This this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, more generally, I think what one of the thing, one of the many things that, that became even clearer to me as a result of my experience was just a how much uh, how much in our in the functioning of our government depends on the moral and intellectual formation of those who actually exercise power. And this, again, this, this of course, like everything goes back to Aristotle, that there's, there's really nothing more important than the character of those who rule in any given regime. And rule in our, in our system, of course, primarily means our elected, well, it primarily means our populace who, who choose our elected officials, the moral character of, of our citizenry. Secondarily, our governing officials, which is primarily our, our, those who are elected, but also you know those who are appointed to judgeships and the and the thousands and thousands of people who help them do their job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's you know a, a U.S. senator. I've I've watched it happen. I mean, he is forced to rely so heavily on the research and advice given to him by his legislative assistants. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have time to research every one of these bills himself. He doesn't. If he's a, if he's somebody like Senator Lee, he does an awful lot of reading himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very impressive. But he he doesn't have time to do everything that, that is all, all by himself. That's why he has this staff. Mm-hmm. And so that that those that those staff be well formed intellectually and well formed morally. There's really nothing, in my view, that the future of our of our nation's politics depends on more than that kind of formation for young people. Because really, you know, everyone will everyone will name the age a little bit differently, but pick your age, somewhere between 25 and 30, people's moral and intellectual habits tend to more or less calcify. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are exceptions. There are great you know, conversions that happen to people in midlife or later. But for the most part, when you're, when you're 40, you're going to be roughly the same person, same person you were when you were 30. No, that's, that's, so, that, that's a great point. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to have to cut you off there. Uh, Dr. Burns, but we're running short on time. Oh, I'm getting the look. You know, we, well, this goes very quickly, and this was an, incre- an incredibly engaging reflection. And um, the 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 takeaway, uh, the the significance of forming the not just the intellects but the character of our students and others who will find themselves in the organs of of authority at some level is of the utmost. Significance and yes, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, so excellent. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you very much, Dr. Burns. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Well, Daniel Burns, Associate Professor of Politics, Interim Associate Dean of the Constantine College. Did I pronounce that right? Constantine College. Uh, thanks so much uh, for being on the program, uh, Dr. Sanford. Good to see you again. Great to see you, Dave. Thanks let's, for having me. Let's again. do it again in September. Look forward to huh? it. All right. Uh, thanks so much. This has been the University of Dallas segment here on the Good News Show, and we are out of time. Thanks to Sissel and uh, all the men from the Catholic Brothers for Christ and uh, UD as well. We'll see you next Monday for the next Good News Show. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show. Truly, you are the Son of God. Believe in all that Jesus says. 
place your marriage in His hands by attending the next Worldwide Marriage Encounter Weekend. Worldwide Marriage Encounter is a weekend for married Christian couples who value their relationship and desire a richer, fuller life together. The next weekend will be Friday, September 11th through Sunday, September 13th. To apply for a weekend, visit dfwme.org slash apply. For questions, call 469-444-0904. Hi, this is Bob Duane with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My wife, Norma, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your mortgage situation, we can be reached by calling 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Hello, my name is Mari Buford, owner of Buford Roofing and Construction and a former player with the Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears. My wife and I are members of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Grapevine and longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Buford Roofing provides residential and commercial roofing repairs and total replacements. We can be reached at 817-329-ROOF or online at BufordRoofing.com. Have a wonderful day. 